for us. Let's stand together. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse number 11. Uh, we're racing curfew, and uh, there's not food to get to. I was not going to come when they mentioned that. They said that some of you would come, so I thought, well, I can't just say no because the food. But the last couple of years, I've been able to be a part of that fellowship, and I know we look forward to having that back. I think God's going to help us. I'm using a verse that is probably one of the most popular verses. I can't remember ever preaching and using this verse as a text. I've certainly quoted it, referenced it. It's on plaques. People that don't even, don't even believe in God believe in this verse. I mean, this verse is everywhere. I'm just sort of being humorous. But you see it and some version of it, but I just really felt directed. Let's read it out loud together. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. You, gr you glad about that? Grateful? Thankful? A future and a hope. Glory to God. So, I preached to you for a few moments this evening. Uh, back to the future. Back to the future. Let's ask God to speak to us. Mighty God, we love you. We honor you. And oh, what a great God you are. I give thanks from my heart for this congregation, for the online church, for all the faithful believers, for these leaders. But most of all, God, from you, every good and perfect gift comes into our lives. We have each other because of you. And we have a hope and a future because of you now. Could you use us one more time in 2020 uh, just to somehow, through your anointing and strength, say what you want people to hear. Let your glory be revealed in our response to the word and have your way, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's do that. Give the Lord a great hand clap, praise, or shout. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. God bless you. You may be seated. I alone, he says, know the plans I have for you. Plans to bring you prosperity and not disaster. Plans to bring about the future you hope for. And in reading that verse again, that verse that all of us have read, it just came back to me. God wants all of us to have hope for the future. Amen. He really wants all of us to have hope for the future. I don't know how you've responded to the things that have gone on in your life in recent weeks and months. I will tell you this, though. If you had any doubt that the Lord loves you, Calvary, of course, all the mercy and all the miracles, but the fact that you're here right now is just a demonstration. He loves you. The devil is a liar. Jesus loves you. Amen. Amen. He loves you. And so I believe it when I say he wants us to have hope for the future. And not hope that's just because of what we can do and what we can be, but hope because it is anchored in Jesus Christ. We have seen how faithful and how merciful our God is. We've sung about it tonight. 
how good he is to us. And he just has a way of proving his love over and over and over. And so we understand by just experience and certainly from the word of God, you can trust him. Amen. Amen. You can trust him. His motives are never under question. Amen. His motives are never under question. And we may at times have no way of really processing even his methods, but his motives are never under question. So we put our hope in Jesus Christ. And in considering these things, I just thought there's got to be a pathway, no matter what's happening, that takes us back to the future. Maybe for some we can say, I feel like just what I've gone through has sort of put me a little bit off of what I felt like was the destination God had for me. I haven't stopped serving him, haven't stopped seeking him, but it just seems like a lot of what's been happening hasn't felt like the future. How do we get back to the future? And so just a few things that occur to me through the word of God. Number one, I think you get back to the future by trusting him more. You get back to the future by trusting him more. The psalmist said that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. In one place, the psalmist says, Sovereign Lord, I put my hope in you. I have trusted you since I was young. I have relied on you all of my life. You have protected me since the day I was born, and I will always Praise you. Somewhere in our experience, we learn to replace worry with prayer. And that is a demonstration of our trust in God. Worry wears us down physically and emotionally. And we begin to suffer the effects of that. Worry weakens our resolve. And really, one of its most critical impacts is it causes us to waste precious Time, But when you start to seek God because you trust him and you believe him, prayer will do some things that worry can never do. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I know, anybody can say it with me, I know what prayer can do. Praise God. Prayer is so powerful that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And it is one of the ways that we evidence trust in God. It doesn't have to be a fancy prayer. It doesn't have to be a prayer in a microphone. It can simply be, Lord, I need you. Would you help us? Would you help our family? Would you help our community? Would you help us in this crazy time that we are living in? What are you doing? I'm not just sending up please. I'm announcing to God, I trust you. I don't understand everything that's happening, but I trust you. And I'm working my way back to you. No, that's not the hymn I want to quote there. I'm working my way back to the future. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why those anxious human beings rush around and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, Friend, I think that it must be 
that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. If you want to get back to the future, trust him more. Oh, that's the hymn I was looking for. Oh, for grace to trust him more. If you want to get back to the future, trust him more. If you want your family to find the future, trust him with your family. If you want your finances to align with a future, then trust him with your finances. If you want your ministry and the purpose of God to flow through your life beyond the present pain and the present problem, then trust him more. And God has already proven he'll make a way. Hallelujah. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember. It may not always look pretty, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. That's why you're on the pew worshiping God. That's why you did a little dance during the worship service because you started leaning on the everlasting arms. You started trusting in the rock of your salvation and he will not fail. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know the Wallaces know you prayed for him. We prayed for him. I had a senior saint has about 85% accuracy rate on prophecies that she proclaims <laughs> that's not bad she came to me after they were with us and said I just feel like they're leaving soon well soon became soon and that's okay I'm not downgrading or, or even trying to somehow demean that person's faith I think that was just one more voice that raised a prayer to heaven and said, God will make a way. Don't know how he'll do it. Don't even know when. But if they'll believe, we'll believe. And we don't have to stop with just getting on sight. We can carry that forward and say the future involves revival. The future involves training hundreds that reach thousands and that transform a continent. Why? We're not trusting in man. We're trusting in God. Have faith in God. Amen. If you want to get back to the future, you have to stand upon the word of God. His word is true. His promises are yea and amen. And our responsibility is to believe and to behave as those that through faith inherit the promises of God. We live by faith. We walk by faith. We act in faith. We pray the prayer of faith. And we operate with a bold faith that says my God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory and so many places where we find seeds of faith to plant in our souls that come from the word of God and then we see God do what man cannot do 
Isaiah writes, fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. That word afraid describes being paralyzed with fear. And so we reject that feeling that wants to shut us down and cause us to stall out. And we reach for faith standing on the word of God. Lord, I can't do it by myself, but I'm not going to stop reaching for your promises. Give me the strength I need. I don't know how you're going to do it, but help me to be strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. In Isaiah 41, he says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That word dismayed means to be in a state of great alarm, even discouraged about the future. I say again, the way you get back to the future is you get rid of that spirit of fear and you ask God to fill you with a spirit of love. I'm not telling you you got to walk around acting macho like you're never really concerned. No, you just simply say, I have concerns, but I always bring them to the Lord and I know I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed I think we need somebody that still says that at the end of 2020 I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread I think at the end of 2020 somebody needs to say by his stripes we still are healed he is the great physician he is the author and the finisher of our faith do not be afraid do not be paralyzed do not be dismayed do not be discouraged about the future stand on the word promises of almighty god believe what he says about your success more than what the world says about your failure stand upon the word of God so in Micah chapter 4 I don't know if they have it from the New Living but I'll read it from the New Living it says now many nations have gathered against you oh they have it right there look at that smooth and they have said, let her be desecrated. Let us see the destruction of Jerusalem. Now verse 12 is the one you ought to circle. Maybe highlight. If you don't like doing that, grab your journal and write it in big block letters that it takes two and a half pages for just a few sentences. But they, everybody say, but they. Those that are negative, those that have already accused you, those that have already maligned you, those that have told you that you don't have any clue what you're doing, you're living in a dream world. You don't have any sense of what it takes to make it in life in the present generation. You tell them, or at least remind yourself, they do not know the Lord's thoughts or understand his plan. These 
nations. If you want to say, these people, my detractors, my accusers, they don't know that he is gathering them together to be beaten and trampled like sheaves of grain on a threshing floor. Now, we're not out to see anybody hurt. But we're not here to walk in condemnation or fear or letting the enemy threaten us every day that we make a mistake. No, a just man, he may fall seven times, but he gets up again. And when he gets up, he has a right to say, you just don't know the plans that God has for me. That's why your testimony is so powerful. Because when you could get distressed and depressed, something begins to roll in your spirit. You just don't know the plans he has for me. That's why you labor and just stay patient because in your spirit, you believe the word of God and you just don't know the plans he has for me. That's why Esther can say, if I perish, let me perish, but I'm going to do the will of God. I just want his future. They don't know. Be steadfast. Unmovable. Always abounding. Because they don't know. And if you told them, they wouldn't understand. Keep coming to prayer meeting. Keep coming to worship. Keep receiving training for ministry. No matter how equipped or seemingly unqualified people think you are. It just so happens they don't know. Keep reading your Bible and sometimes having to get the simplest translation just to know for yourself what it means and then share it in your humble, faith-filled way. Why? Because they don't know. He can use anybody. He can use anybody. He can work through any family. He can work through any young person. He can work through any senior saint. The way you get back to the future is to say, I got a word from God that says he'll do something with me. Being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you Will he'll give up? He'll say, Well, I got them out of the country, now they're on their own. No, that's nothing for God. He's got a plan, He's got a purpose. Hallelujah! And He doesn't start something. Just to say, nice try. He starts something so that he can complete it. And in the right time and on the right day, you won't get the glory. But God will get the glory. If you want to get back to the future, you have to learn from the past. But you cannot live in the past. If you want to get back to the future, 
You have to learn from the past, but you cannot live in the past. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the mark, the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Learn, remember, apply, but don't stay there. And, and I love that he says, forgetting the things, not the lessons. The experiences taught us new things. We're doing things differently than we've ever done. We've learned some things. We're learning right now. And we're pressing towards more of God's purpose in our lives. So learn the lessons. Apply what you learn. Remember continually what you learn through your hurt, through your disappointment, through your sickness, through the hospitalization, through whatever you go through. Thank God that he can do it in such a way that no hurt, no pain, no loss, no grief is ever wasted. Learn from it, but don't live there. Don't live there in bitterness. Don't live there in frustration. Don't live there in anger. Don't live there accusing God that he messed up and ruined what you thought was a plan. I'm learning about the Lord. It didn't start that verse that we began with. I know the plans you have for you. I said it doesn't say I know the plans you have for you. One of our biggest issues is when the plans that we have for us do not go right. We don't know what to do. But I believe that's when God says, I'm so glad we're finally getting you over your plan. <laughs> Anybody been there? Anybody live long enough to say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You did not answer the prayer that I prayed the way that I wanted to pray. I wept. I cried, I fasted, but I was wrong. I didn't know what was best for me. He's not trying to fulfill my plan for me, but he's very busy aligning me if I'll submit with his plan so that his glory. Don't you live in a place that God stirred you up and got you to leave. Don't go back there. Just keep pressing forward. Just keep pressing forward. Just keep pressing forward. And let God have his way in your life. This is how we get back to the future. We trust God more. We stand upon his word. And we learn from the past but we don't live there with Joel chapter 2 and I say to you that God never allows trouble with the intention of wiping out our future I just don't see that he allows trouble but I am finding that he never allows trouble with the intent of wiping out our future. 
He will use trouble to cause us to refocus and submit and be willing to let God have his way. Anybody been there? Starting to see that? And I think Joel chapter 2 is somewhat of a picture of this, and this is where I land. And I don't know if we have food there or food there or food there. But somewhere in this city, before curfew, there's food. So I land now with a fervent desire because there is food in my future. (laughs) So we're going to walk through Joel chapter 2, and we're going to finish. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me. With all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. He relents from doing harm. I'm moving through it, but the next part of the passage that I'll grab is verse 15. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and nursing babies. Let even the bridegroom go out of his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. What's happening that is this important? Joel chapter 2 verse 23. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. My great army, which I sent among you. We could blame the devil, but God just said, hey, that's not the devil, that's me. We could blame all the carnality, and there's carnality, but God's saying, I let this happen to you. But I didn't let this happen to you to destroy your future. I let this happen to you to recover your future, to restore your future. I'm not a farmer, but I do know what those locusts were doing. They were not destroying the present. They were destroying the future. All of that was prepared, planted, sowed, watered, worked on, guarded. It was prepared so that they could have a future and see great provision and great harvest. But somewhere God in his sovereignty said they can't have it this way. They'll think that they did it on their own. But if I could get them to return to me, if I could get a little trouble to stir them up where they would say, 
today. We're not singing one song without a prayer meeting. We're not having one small group without an unction of the Holy Ghost. We're not having one service without an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We're not going to King or Ohio or Statesville and just going there to do something that gives us some little bit of credit. But we have got to get where we have a move of God. He said, I want the choir to know how to consecrate. I want the small group leaders to know how to consecrate. I want the missionary and the pastors to know how to consecrate. And if I can get them to consecrate, I'm going to restore a future that they could never have on their own. You get back to the future by coming to the Lord and humbling yourself and saying, Lord, I'm not mad at you because of the trouble. I'm back because of the trouble. I'm not mad at you because of my job loss. I'm not mad at you because I lost a loved one. I'm back because my job loss. I'm back because I lost a loved one. I'm back because nothing I tried worked. I'm back to prayer. I'm back to worship. I'm back to fasting. I'm back to consecrating my life. And he says, I will restore the future. Stand with me. So, I got something that should not come as a surprise. Okay. I don't think the trouble's going to end. I actually don't think it'll ever end now until the rapture. It won't look the same. It'll be different kinds of trouble. But the difference in the 2021 church that it took a little while for the 2020 church to know is when the trouble comes, we don't stop going to church now. We just go online if we have to. We don't stop having prayer meeting now because there's no way to know when the trouble will ever end. We just have prayer meeting however we need to have it. Why? Because we've learned if we'll return, if we'll come back, we will go back to the future. So somehow in March, I don't know, it's human nature, I don't know what it is, but in March, in this pulpit, in many other pulpits, and many times since March, if my people, which are called by my name, 
humble themselves, pray, turn from their wicked ways. Then, and guess what we're saying in December? Somebody probably got up in the last few days. Somebody innocently just trying to honor God. Or maybe that was the only verse they know. But somebody got up. Somebody in our congregation did it. And said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven and will heal their land. And it occurred to me when I heard it in December, the way I heard it in March and all through, that there's no graduating from if my people, which are called by my name, there's no new normal where you can get past if my people. This now has to be the automatic response to whatever kind of trouble. we got to return to him so we can get to back to our future. We've got to return to him so we can get back to the harvest. We've got to do it every day in trouble, in good days, in bad days. It's consecration time all over this room. You that are online, right where you're sitting or maybe even standing now, you ought to just lift your hands and let tears flow. And some of you can occupy some of this space that's a little open and say, wait a minute. I'm not leaving this in 2020. You're going to hear me pray. You're going to hear me cry out. You're going to see me weep. That just wasn't a little season. I found out that if I'll keep returning to you, you'll keep returning me to my future. Thank you, young people. Thank you, church family. If you're not comfortable coming forward, I believe you can build an altar right there in your pew. I think you can close your eyes and block out everything.